sounds like nether splat, bitch. <laughs> Natter splat. 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 Okay, here, I'll put you on the spot with this topic. Um, how do you feel about the refugee camps due to the ISIS war in the Middle East? Like, Which one? are they are they called like refugee camps? Like, like yeah. where the pe- like the women and children are like. Well. Or are they like? Which yeah. ones do you mean? The ones in Middle East or the ones in Calais? The. There's a bunch of them. Well, there's one in Calais, and I've seen many clips, come out of, of there, and they're not mostly women and children. I think that's like a media myth because every real footage I've seen of all being young men, there's been a lot of footage recently on boats that have been coming across the English Channel. And they're all fighting age men. So if you're talking about specifically refugee Well, then I guess I'm specifically camp, talking about the women and children refugee camps then. Right. Um, I don't know where they are. But if there are some, I mean, I think refugee camps sound good in theory. Because I know, like, the Kurdish people are uh, manning some of the camps that, mm-hmm. that are outside of uh, Turkey yeah. and Syria. Nice and tough, the Kurds. So... How do you feel about that? Like, what do you think should be done about that? Because that's like, that's a, like, I'm just asking you as a moral question because, like, yeah. I have my own moral feelings. Like, I know how I should feel th- that the world would perceive and how I really feel fundamentally on the inside being who I am, like, as an individual thinker. Well, I would say they sound good in theory, you know. A, a no, but like it's not—it's not a means to an end. Like it, it, like it, like it's just—it's just delaying, delaying something that needs to happen. Oh, okay. Well, I know what you're saying. So, do, like, do you think that they could take legal action, like that they could start trying all of these people, but then who would be in charge of? What do you mean trying them? Trying like refugees. in a court of law, like for, what? for um okay, and I guess I'm not talking about refugees. I'm talking like because what do you call those camps that they put the women in the ISIS uh, women? Oh, the and ISIS children. women. Yeah, sorry. The terrorists. Was, yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. refugees. Yeah, the terrorists. Sorry. The criminals. Yeah. We have one. But then are the women and children criminals like or is there are they just bystanders of what their husbands have done and some of them are foreign. uh, Right. You need evidence. Right. To try someone for a crime. So, for instance, there's this young girl. She went an ISIS bride, as the media calls them in Britain. Mm -hmm. She leaves when she's like 15 or 16 or whatever. She goes to join ISIS. She's pictured with three different husbands because they keep dying. So she keeps getting married to a new husband. She has a few babies. She laughs about beheading enemies. I think she even does something herself. Maybe it's not kill someone, but she does some gruesome act herself. She's totally in it. She went there voluntarily. And then ISIS loses. We kick their ass. And now she wants to come home and claim that she was, um, you know, just a child. You know, just she's just a child. She, you know, she shouldn't be treated like an adult, even though she was talking about decapitating her enemy she said she walked past and took photos of a, a bin full of heads i think uh and she said so many bad things about 
you know, she said them herself. So if she's See, okay, example, but then that's, like, that's an example, obviously, like, that, like, if there's proof yeah. behind it, then you would try. So, like, what, like, what would you, like, well, do you British. see that as being a right. solution to these camps? Well, she's British. So is it not refugee camps? Like, how do you refer to that, then? Well, well, she's, in, she, she's probably not in a, she might be being detained. It depends if you, if you've left a country and you've left and you're trying to get safety, you're a refugee. If, if the government thinks you're a, a threat and doesn't let you in you might not be in a camp but they you may be because it's not like a concentration camp but right, it's but like it's just like a detained, detained. yeah it's yeah, like a, be, i don't know who she's being detained by so probably the syrian authorities or something like the iraqi well that's the thing is like in syria a lot of those like camps where like the and i'm specifically talking about the camps with the women and children in them because they are vast and there uh, is because more, they were married in, to warriors in jordan there's one outside of syria or in syria there's one and well, hey, listen, here's the question. Like, what like, what do you think would be a, like, how do you... Well, I don't think it should be my problem if my refers to sort of European or British or whatever. Like, why would I be, or why should my nation be telling what Iraqis, Syrians, what to do with Syrians, with Somalia? I mean, they, unless they're British, like the girl I just mentioned, who was British, British Muslim... And that's a bit more complicated. Because that's what it British. is, is it's a whole mix of people. But if you're that... Syrian and you might used to be married to a, an ISIS warrior, I don't know whether you should go to prison. I don't know what you did. I don't know if there's evidence. But I sure as heck know we shouldn't be inviting you in, in, you know. Oh, I used to be married to an ISIS warrior, but, you know, you know, Islam's very restrictive. I didn't have much of a choice on who I was marrying. I would say maybe that's fair enough. Maybe yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, like, but I, should... I specifically want to know, like, what you think should be done about the camps full of women and children like what like because nobody's doing anything about it and there is a big moral conflict about what should be done they need to go home or go to jail you know that's like you can't just keep people in camps indefinitely i never like gitmo i didn't think that's a good idea having people without trial because like the moral conundrum is like these like like the children were brought up under like the isis regime and like this is like the next generation like by letting them go it could just start the whole thing over again so well, they've seen, it depends how they lived, you know, if they can, you do need to re-educate, it is hearts and minds with these things, you can't bomb someone into uh, liberalism, if you want to call it that, not that necessarily. I, okay, I but then, that. okay, so you believe in re-education, but then do you not believe, like, because ISIS could have been a world issue, and it did take other it countries to big, come yeah. in to, were, like, and help the situation. They got a lot of territory. So, like, and, like, obviously these countries don't have the resources that they need to be able to take care of things and do re-education things, so then where does the rest of the world step in and say that they want to help with something like this, yeah. or... Well, I think that, I think we've all learned that America being the policeman doesn't work in the in the late half of the 20th century. You know, I'm, I, I don't think it works. America putting troops everywhere, all over the Middle East and expecting to solve the Middle Eastern problem with, with just boots on the ground. Um, you can do it to some extent, but I think the American people are tired of it. I think they're happy with the troops leaving. You know, with Trump pulling troops, I think a lot You're of getting people sidetracked, like though. But what I, what, well, the question is, these camps are, who are, who are holding these camps? Who's, I mean, I, you're asking me. Like, should, individuals are. And I, it's too complex, complex questions. to say, shut the determined down, don't shut it down. I think my general principle is you shouldn't be holding people without trial. So if you've been in there for two years and they're just waiting to do something, that's, that's wrong. If they are not British or American, they shouldn't be considered, you know, into those countries. 
you know, as an American, you are, as a British person, I wouldn't want potential jihadis coming in. And I think it's not your human right to enter another country. I don't believe that. I don't believe it's your human right to go wherever you want. Sure. I think once you're born in a country, you should always have safe. You've got somewhere to go. Yeah. You know, that's why we have passports and things. But these people, for the majority, are not British. They're not American. They're not European. They're, They're from that area in the world. And they need to do something with them. I agree. You can't hold people without trial, but you know, can you trust the trial system in a, in a country? You know, and then that comes back to the question: Is there's millions of cases of injustice all across the world, and at some point you have to realize you can't just do everything. You know, we went into Iraq for that reason, for humanitarian reasons. Let's say we don't go to North Korea for humanitarian reasons. You know, we don't just march in there. Why? Because the cost would be too big, and we know it. The, the war would be too great. So we let so we let the, the imprisonment and the starvation happen in North Korea. And we let it happen in dozens of African countries. And we let it happen in China. And we let it happen in South America. But for some reason we have it in our heads that the Middle East is this place we have to have to fix. And I think for I think most people know it, it came from oil and control of resources, strategic land points. It is there was a lot of strategic points in, in the Middle East that both Russia, China and the West would like to to hold. So I'm not saying don't keep your eye on these strategic points if they're gonna go to your enemies, you know, and if you can claim that your enemies, many people would say, Oh we all get on, we're all fine. But I would say China is an adversary at the very least. And these are strategic points on a world chessboard. And that's why it's so complex. But when you say, what should we do with these refugee camps? Well, like I said, don't hold people without trial. But I can't, I can't suggest that we get involved in the Iraqi judicial system or the Syrian judicial system. Because once you start interfering with Syria, you're interfering with Russia. Once you, you know, it's very complex. And, the, and I think we're learning that we can't, um, we don't have as much control over everything as we want to, especially through military force. And the military should be reserved for, I think, more extreme events. And unfortunately, we have to exist, except there's horrible things going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But you've got to fix what, what's close to you at home in some degree. But we have international relations for this, and we have things we can do. But, I mean, the Middle East, I mean, it's looking reasonably good right now, isn't it? I mean, as far as the Middle East goes in our lifetimes. Mm, yeah. Um, but if you're going to get caught up on the people in camps in the Middle East, then I would argue that there's probably five times as many in China, right? So if we're going to take one problem, like morally, if you're going to go utilitarian... Yeah, but this was this was a world-viewed war versus in China. Like, they, they keep everything internal. kind of on a... Yeah, like, like under internal. lock and key. So, it, like, it's it's harder to have a perspective on what's going on in China versus the Middle East is kind of next door. And we've been watching it unfold in front of us for a really long time. And we've been, like, mm-hmm. the onlookers for it. And it, is, it, it, it does touch close to home. So that's why, like... I understand, like, yeah, that's, it is a complicated issue. I was just wondering, like, how, what, where you well, stood on it. I think it's, it made me think when you first said refugee camps, it made me think of um, the ones in, in, in Europe. So you've got people in Calais, you've got them all along the border, especially because they're trying to get into Britain. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you said, women and children, this is the interesting thing. There may be these camps in the Middle East, but when you look at the camps and who are coming over in Baltics, 
almost exclusively men in their teens, twenties, maybe. 30s. Yeah, yeah. All men, every boat. You could argue that they make the dangerous trip. Uh, and they have people at home, but given a lot of their age, I think a lot of them are not leaving families. And if it's so bad behind, why would you leave your family, right? If, if you're a true refugee, you wouldn't leave your wife and kids in the war zone. What this is, is economic migration, where maybe you send money home, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying you wouldn't want to do that for your family. I don't have a moral judgment on someone who wants to make a better life for themselves, but let's call it what it is. You know, if it's a real war zone you're leaving, a real situation of danger what sort of person leaves their wife and kids behind right mm. you only do that if maybe they live in a poor country and you can send send money home and that that so now is like waking up a lot of people to think well what who exactly are we saving here where are all the children yeah yeah <laughs> no like i've i've always like i've noticed that as well is like there's a difference between immigration and refugee mm -hmm. status mm -hmm. and like yeah like I do believe you're right and like that we should there should be better mm -hmm. more thorough understanding and laws and regulations towards what refugee status is and I don't think it would be bad to implicate like a, a like only this many men as to women or implements uh like a, like this many men to women and have mm -hmm. some sort of regulations towards mm -hmm. it like i think that that would be in the best benefit of the places that are trying to help well in a way i would argue that like what australia did is they said we will stop like getting the boats that are in trouble uh that are coming into australia we'll stop saving them picking them up escorting you in we will just stop our boats which means if you try to come in and your boat messes up and you drown you know that might happen and the, and then their their crossings just stopped you know because they realize it's very difficult and a lot of the strategy of getting into a country is is kind of based on the authorities picking you up you know sometimes they'll just wave them down because they get picked up and taken in and then they're instantly a refugee i think the point about refugees is that they should go home afterwards and this isn't me saying don't stay in my country it's saying like do you not want to go and rebuild your country and i feel like if england were to get to such a point where I was being victimized, it was that, you know, uh, all all men over 32 and less than 35 are going to be killed, and I'm in that bracket, so I have to leave. You know, once it was over, or it, it, it had been weakened, I wouldn't want to just, oh, well, actually, this country's pretty nice. I would feel like I'd be in exile. I'd have some pride to go back and reclaim, you know, my place, and you could say that's easy for you to say, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a very unlikely situation for you to be in. But I think once something's calmed down, so if you're Syrian and you've come, well, okay, maybe some, maybe you were gonna get persecuted being there. I believe it, but if, if it gets better, should you not go back and rebuild your country and, and be, have a stake in it? And that comes down to another point is I find it very immoral when we take the best and the brightest from a country. You know, So people in Britain brag a lot about the amount of immigrants that make up our NHS. I'll say immigrants make up your doctors and your nurses. And I think, well, yeah, sure, that's nice. But we, I think we've robbed them of their own countries. You know, if you take the best doctors from India and Nigeria, and then when someone really makes a break for it and gets educated in a country that doesn't have too much education and becomes, becomes some professional, and then you say, hey, you'll earn five times as much if you come to our country, what you're doing is you're robbing that country of their best and brightest. And you're and you're leaving them more likely to 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 stall and fall behind. 
So it's almost immoral. Just and, and, and the individual might say it's their right to travel in the world and get paid, and you're, you're, you're helping that person. They got an education, and you're rewarding them. And that's true on an individual level, but on a cultural level, what you're doing is sapping that country. You know, and that's kind of what what's happening in the let's say the white collar immigration, the stuff where you get on a plane and get a visa. That's what we're doing. And then at the other end, we call low end economic migrants refugees often when really they're economic migrants who are then undercutting the working class pay you know because two of one of two things will happen they'll either get benefits and welfare and just be looked after by the state or they will come and work um, but if they're uneducated um, you know their english is low they're going to get manual labor jobs typically uh, lower end jobs. And as everybody knows, if you're off the system or off the radar, you get paid less than minimum wage. You know, you're getting paid illegally, but that undercuts the minimum wage and keeps keeps the wages low for the poorest. So we're kind of like doing multiple things that are immoral. We're robbing the, the poorest of our own country, taking the best out of another country, and then also robbing them by having an unfair and unjust refugee system, which is just used politically and talked about in a compassionate way so if you if you have any questions regarding refugees or migration you instantly become if not racist at least just uncompassionate to other people like you don't care about them and i just don't think it's the best thing you can do is always say come to us i think it's better to rebuild the world than just say to everyone because if you accept that premise that someone who has a worse life than you deserves to come here well that's four billion people yeah. That's four billion people you've just said should come to Europe. It's like, that's unfeasible, right? So what? Because one of the things I was thinking too, like, because it, it is based on an individual basis, like what people do. And like, it, sometimes people leave their countries to go and then be able to bring res better resources back with them and then they can m make better advantages. Mm -hmm. So like, it's, it's, a, it's about crossing those paths and those, like mm -hmm. being able to like mm -hmm. intersect things because things are different. Mm -hmm. And there is like a lot of, mm -hmm like hoops to jump through and uh -huh. all of the the like to do things uh -huh. by procedure and correctly and borders uh -huh. and blah 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 so like it's 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 not equal idea everywhere though so yeah. it does make it a lot more complicated well that would be perfect what you just said if if someone using the example of doctors you know trained at ox you know oxford university did their medicine or whatever university and then they worked in uh, a, a british hospital for five years, they earned lots of money and they had a temporary stay visa and then they were required to go back home. You know, and that was always from the start, that was the agreement, like that's what they signed up to and they're not gonna say, you're tearing me out of my life, I built a life here. What you're then getting is you're getting that, um, that person who may be kind of, let's say, cheap at the beginning or cheaper than a native. So you kind of, you're getting something and they're getting the training from a good hospital. Mm -hmm. And then they can take that back home with them. And there's a system where it's kind of reciprocal, you know, on a countrywide basis. You're, you're giving them something and you're kind of, they're investing in you and it's, it's reciprocal. But then again, sometimes the place that they're going home to isn't going to have nearly the resources for the things and they will come back with skills that they won't necessarily be able to utilize there well, as true. well. You have to pick the right place. So, like, yeah, it, it is really... If you really... come from a, a village, exactly, with, with no with no hospital, then that's going to be a, a bit different. I'll put this out, right, because this is just how I feel about immigration and refugee, like, status and anything like that. Like, I do think 
uh, there it is very disproportionate the male to female and family ratio mm. and I think like if that small change could be made like that would make a really vast difference in everything I would say like at least 70% of the people that we take in should be women children like of certain ages and groups or families mm-hmm. like that should fill up the vast majority of like what's accepted and there should be like closer things on that and i think that that's i don't know that's that's how i would feel personally Makes on sense. anything like that i don't usually like gender quarters or affirmative action of any kind but of course it's just outrageous to see you know no old people no no women no well children. because like we have able body oh well just because of how it'll affect the economy because if you have like a disproportionate amount of able-bodied young men coming in from other places they are going to undercut the like the economy they are going to like they are going to throw the balance off versus like and then they're still going to be getting help from the government mm-hmm. versus if the government's going to be giving somebody help mm-hmm. it should be somebody that needs the help right. like women and children right. like families right like that so then like instead of the help being uh, not necessarily wasted but like it would just be utilized a lot better in that way in my opinion so So, like i do believe that like there should be like classifications like that and there should be a little bit Mm -hmm. more reading into Mm -hmm. things and how you Mm -hmm. differ like and who you accept what do you say if you're if there was an iranian who came to you know england or anywhere in europe and said i want to be a refugee i'm gay okay that would usually be good, but what happens if you find out many people are lying and saying they're gay? Because that would automatically make you. But a that's why there's a certain percentage. That's why you have to keep it within certain standards. And sorry, like that does make the process a little bit more difficult. But the world is difficult. And if you, like you said, if you just say come here, that's gonna like that 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 could crash economies. That could uh, alter the the foundations of the place that is accepting it. So there's a lot of other factors to think about when you do that. And that's why, like, I'm just saying there should be uh stricter guidelines right and like they should be more in the favor of who needs help and that we should be able to say the clearly these people need more help than the other mm-hmm. like this one needs more help than the other because there is differences between people mm-hmm. like man and woman are equal as a human being but like they are not like the mm-hmm. one i you know because one is able-bodied and like should stay where they are from to fix the things like that and then if the white or like or if like their family got over there they can send back help and i agree that it should but then if they were to put stronger regulations on things like that maybe what you're what Mm. you would want to happen would inevitably happen more yeah how do you and it also vastly depends on the situation. Like if it's a like if it's a refugee of war, like in mm-hmm. Syria, that's something that was really mm-hmm. serious, and we did need to take in those refugees. And also Syria. Why did we need to take them in though? Why, well, why did, we could, didn't. Why did it, we like, didn't need to, but it's really Saudi nice or... that we did because also like I'm I'm a bit familiar with the Syrian culture but so of many the countries last. Are close. Why did no one else take them? The, the whole. We country. have more resources, plain and what, simple. What than Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia is gigantic and like exactly. for like for like how like the the power and the wealth gets distributed amongst like the uh the population of people is very disproportionate to how it is out here. I'm saying why to the white here. savior? 
Why is it? Why does it? Why, no, it doesn't have to be. But like, it, okay, you know what? Actually, in theory, we don't need to help them at all. Like that's their problem. They can deal with it, and then like I don't even maybe mean they, they just the closest. I don't mean Muslims or brown people, or I don't mean like. I just mean geographically, there are lots of countries that could help them, and it's their default just to go. Nah. No, that's our default is because that I mean, like that's that's. I'm pretty sure Qatar didn't take anybody. But Saudi like, Arabia didn't take anybody. Um, you know, Israel didn't take anybody. No, but the further um, east that you go, like the like the economic system and structure is very different versus if you go west from the Middle East, if that's what you're talking about. I I would argue that we were in like one of the better. We didn't have to, but we had more resources than places that have bigger land that have different resources, and like it didn't necessarily need to happen, but we were able to make it happen. And we did. It's just I think it was just disproportionately done. Definitely disproportionately. And then in addition to that, there's the other refugees of people that are just trying to escape countries that are Mm -hmm. continuously in war or it's not necessarily affected them. So, like, I don't want to say, like, fake refugees, but, like, a lot of people, like... I mean, don't so, I mean, like I wouldn't like because in my mind, uh, like a refugee is more of a serious term versus just yeah, trying to like immigrate somewhere else. Asylum seeking. Yeah, asylum seeking. Yeah. A little different as well. Like they're all slightly different terms. Yeah. Here's my question though: What do you think has changed the public perception to be much more um, hostile to the idea that of what you just said that you can say no? It's not. In, an, in a certain culture's ability to help everyone in the world. And you often hear things along the lines of, you know, who are you to say no to this person? This person may die. So the example I used about a gay person, let's say, in some part of the world or a religious person in some part of the world. Now that fits the criteria of refugee or asylum seeker. They are under political persecution by a state. You know, it's not a gang or a family member, by the state. Um, that, that entitles you, but we physically can't do it for everyone. But you would ha- have people say, like, who are you to say, no, of course we should say yes. Without that consideration of the sheer number of it, what do you think's changed people's perception of that? Is it sort of a lack of worldly thinking or is it more more willingness to act on their compassion? Like, what, like what do you think it is that people are just... I think it was an old school mentality that it would be very easy for people to go, well, of course not, of course we can't you know, just let everyone in or help everyone. You know, there was some reason to it. And I feel I meet a lot more people who are hostile to that, that attitude. Oh, uh, I, uh, I'll just say that I get my opinion. Um, cultural preservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, uh, like, that's where I get my opinion from, is just being a world traveler and, like, getting to see and experience all the different cultures. And uh, uh, Europe specifically is such a like a, a little temperamental melding pot and it's and it's so delicate and I think people don't understand that and like mm-hmm. because it's it is so old it's been established for so long and there is so many traditions and everything and that is what makes Europe so interesting and diverse and all the like many different languages and such close proximity to each other mm-hmm. that are recognized like mm-hmm. world like mm-hmm. like vastly spoken mm-hmm 
things, the cultural differences, the like everything. So like that's that's where my thing comes from. But now is... diversity is synonymous with brownness. So you can't have to, if you have a series of Belgian, French, Swiss uh, townships that are all very different in custom and and everything. It it can't be described as diverse in 2020 if it was mostly white. I mean, that's the vernacular has changed now. So obviously, why not? Well, I think I would still use that word. Um, the modern vernacular. Okay, here, is, here. Let uh, me, let me, let me get into like some ancient ancient anthropology for you. Okay, so, um, but like, wasn't like, but white was like the minority, and there's so many different or was the majority and there was so many different variations of it as well and to say that they're all the same isn't necessarily true so i could say like that's diverse as well mm-hmm. just like in asia i of would course. say asia is very diverse even though they all of course. like are of asian lineage you know mm-hmm. so but like i like i don't i don't limit it to well that. i know you don't i know you don't but, but it's, in it's, general it can it's a be, shame yeah, is yeah. what i'm saying you i think when you mentioned that cultural preservation i think you did actually answer the question really well but from your own point of view i think the answer is that lots and lots of people now do do not have national pride or any cultural pride and furthermore not only do they like the culture they actively want to destroy it they see it as a many people would say patriarchal or supremacist you know or certain systems of oppression would be the sort of words they would use um i think they're the main ones patriarchy system of oppression white supremacist if it's you know mainly white country and they would say that all of these systems have been unchanging and they need to not only um not like them but bring those systems down and with that therefore the the consideration that immigrants or or refugees may change their culture isn't important anymore. You know, I think that might be it. I feel like there's more hostility to to culture in general now. Sure. So no, and I think that that's something that is very worth uh, understanding and like uh, being able to be spoken about is that through immigration and accepting refugees is like it could shake the foundations of the cultural like of the culture of the area that they are in so that is something that like should be people should be aware of and i don't think it's bad to talk about it by any means uh because i uh dated a guy who uh his parents come his like from a different place and i asked but then he was from uh where he's from and i asked like how do you feel about um people that uh like when cultures come in and he and like even he said himself he was like well i i am uh i'm german and i have german traditions and through that like he's like so like even though my parents don't share that i feel like is like i feel like i'm a german and i feel like as long as like like because i celebrate like my holidays and i follow these things and i do the traditions and i like even though my parents are from somewhere else i would still like that they respect what I feel is my culture, even though it's not necessarily their culture, it's my culture because this is where I grew up, mm-hmm. even though like, yeah. so, and that was his different uh, thing to it. So, and that was like, and that was like, re- that was really nice because he is mixed race. 
So it was an interesting perspective because like, yeah, he feels like he's German, like he comes from where he comes from, which is very much true. And he very much acts like a typical German, however have it be. And, but then like, yeah, like that. So that was his take on it is like, he wants to preserve the German culture as well, though he's ethnic. Like, like, so cultural preservation is a thing in itself. Like, like that's, that's, that's the thing in itself. So that, that's a big, important part and I know that you and I can like go off in like crazy things, but like <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll focus on like this. Like, so that I think is something that is underrepresented. It's not uh, necessarily looked at in a positive light sometimes when you try to talk about it, mm-hmm. though, like, I just think it's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like pres- preserving culture is misunderstood mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. what that means fundamentally, what that means economically mm-hmm. and with everything that's happening. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different variables mm-hmm. and factors involved for something like that. I watched the video kind of contrary to what you said that it was really sad and I'm not saying it's the majority of people it was clearly an edited video to find these people but they asked a lot of um you know recent immigrants or at least people who were not born in in Britain and they went around and asked them you know what is the culture of Britain you know what is what is the culture and it was a compilation of many people who just couldn't think of an answer at all and then they said one of two things. They said either it's just this passport, and they said, you know, a passport makes you British. So it's purely political, you know, it's nothing else in there. Or they said uh, multiculturalism. So they described the culture of Britain as many different cultures, as, as the acceptance of many different cultures. So it's almost like multiculturalism is the fundamental part of the culture of Britain. Which is but didn't you guys kind of bring that on yourselves? Well, you could argue for, like, this is what they say when people, anyone says anything about immigration now. They say something like, it's always been immigrants. Look at the Saxons, Normans, uh, the, you know, mothers of the Vikings coming in. There's always been movement, the Romans. And of course, that's that's true, but it's just exactly what you said. It's the numbers. It's They're not even close, you know. Yeah. It's the, the numbers are just something. See, if, if something is, like, that's that, and, like, that's, I don't know how people can't, like, think like that and like understand that like all you have to do is put like there's regulations on everything like but then there's just some things that like are not regulated like correctly and like then the things that are regulated are not regulated correctly well we're gonna get into a well you're starting to push me into an area about where we would talk about like this can't be happening on by accident it has to be on purpose and I feel like that's it's all whole other subjects so i'm not going to get into that right now or, or do you want to well maybe yeah. a little later i don't want to start, <laughs> right get into it well now. like then this will be part two uh, well, that part, we might okay. release or we might not release right, so part, part two would be we can't possibly believe that the the disastrous results of global mass migration have been by accident because there's many smart people in the world uh, making decisions and it seems so predictable, right? It seems so predictable. You know, you can see a, a certain level of immigration where people assimilate, and now that even that word's been called racist because you expect people to assimilate into your culture, you're basically wanting to strip them of their identity. So there's there's a new turn on that word, but traditionally it was a, it was understood that the cultures would assimilate because they weren't in great enough number, and as the generations grew, exactly as you said, their children would be more um 
more English or more German or more European than maybe their parents and, and, and so, so on. But with such great numbers, that doesn't happen because you get enclaves um, and sometimes they just continue speaking. Little Pakistan, you know, it becomes little Pakistan in, in, in England and there's no assimilation at all. And quite to the contrary, it seems that some studies show that second generation are more um, culturally identify with their culture back home or their like especially yeah. with, with Islam especially they become more radicalized which is see like that, that that's a bit of like an identity like a crisis because yeah like I do believe like you should like adapt to the culture that you live in like of course that's mm-hmm. only fair but like you are still within your rights to maintain your own culture but then see that's really complicated okay because you are an Englishman like mm. and you come from uh, like England has a fabulous and very old history and like mm. it, you are your like like a particular not not a race of people but what are like an ethnicity you yes. are well, like, English are an ethnicity yeah, yeah. while so. British isn't British is kind of as I said before it is entirely political really um it's not while English you can be English as an as a nation but obviously it is an ethnicity as well but Unlike then me American. like as an American like yeah everything in america is new and like we are all like so that's the only thing i've ever known in my life is melding pot situations (laughs) like of course there's like yeah and like i'm used to like chinatown and this and that the other like Mm -hmm. because that's that's all America ever is and has been. It's completely different culture exactly. So yeah like I It was an idea that you had your own culture but then you banded together under the idea of Americanism and it worked for such a long time. I think it might be failing now but but for a long time you could be living in Chinatown, you could be Germanic, you could be Italian but you all said I left here to, to make a name for myself because I knew this was the land of freedom and opportunity and people really believed that. You mm-hmm. know if you were homesteading you could push out into the old west and you could claim your farm yeah. you could set your family town up and you could give your children space because you worked for it you know your land or you could come and get a job in new york city you could come and there was jobs to be had there was there was growth everyone there was freedom you yeah. had the constitution you know there was a real idea of americanism so even through your differences you all had something that held you in common um, and I don't think that's that's true for America anymore in general, regardless of immigrants. You know, you have the left and the right who are now so deeply divided. Yeah, that's 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 the identity of America now is so like what, what your political standing is versus anything else. Well, like left and right is, is kind of a, not a good term to use, but it's almost like it's constitutionalists and non-constitutionalists. So Americans, the sort who wave the flag and the kind who burn the flag now. Yeah. And what are they trying to say when they burn the flag exactly? I mean, it's it seems like it's quite obvious. They're saying this flag stands for certain things and we want the destruction of those things. And it, at least to me as an outsider, those things that make America are those things. Freedom, opportunity. Sounds a little cliched. It sounds very American, <laughs> actually. <laughs> wow, what's it all about? Freedom! <laughs> opportunity! <laughs> But it's serious, you know, you had that you had that stuff enshrined into a, a constitution that people took very seriously. And that's a big deal, man. Yeah. To give people those things. That 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 constitution's pretty it's pretty special. And like I said, everyone I think believed in it and now 
half the country doesn't. They, they don't understand. It. They like, don't understand what it's doing. No, because I think if you were to ask Americans, like the same thing, like like what does it mean to be an American, or what was the question that the like what does it mean to be British? Right. Yeah, like what or does it culture, mean to be culture. American? Yeah. Like I I'm sure they would have very similar like. I wonder what people would say. Like, what does it mean to be an American? We'll ask them. We'll ask them. Yeah. We'll get their response. No, because I can only imagine that it would be something along those lines as well. Yeah. People don't know the fundamentals of where it came from. and. But how important it is. And, and I just, that's crazy to me. This It's the, it's almost like it is it's to do with that flag. Yeah. Americans wave those flags, as I told you. It's insane how much they love the flag. But it's it's almost as a rally cry to those who despise it so much. And yeah. the flag is a symbol. Obviously, no I don't one like. The flag, you know? I think the majority of the people that despise it don't understand necessarily why they despise it. But then, like, I I do think that like the flag is definitely used to cover things up. But what, uh-huh. what fucking flag isn't? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can hide a lot of atrocities <laughs> under the label of patriotism. So for sure, it's like I'm not uh, I'm not ignorant to that. But I think what it represents, you know, if someone. If someone, say, for instance, burns the union flag, they may be saying that they don't like the union. Maybe they're burning a union flag, but they have the English flag. Yeah. Maybe that's that's what they could be saying. Or they could be saying, no, I, I, what everything this represents, I hate. Now, what I could do to them is go, you're burning the British flag. And they go, yeah, I hate Britain. I go, you hated the abolition of slavery. You racist. <laughs> you racist. You hate the idea of what? Common law and equality under the law. Oh, my God, you fascist. <laughs> but what they would say is obviously they're burning the representations that they think it comes to yeah, mind. Yeah. And that would be colonialism, uh, colonialism uh, what else? Rape, pillage. Yeah. I mean, that's how they'd see it, right, I guess. Governmental issues usually, Exactly, yeah. but that's the biggest problem. So I think America's got the same problem with immigration as Europe had. But just in a different way, you know. But it's in a very, very different very way, different and like, and like, but... and people seem to close their eyes to the fact that, like, hey, like the, this place, it like has already been founded for a long time, and like to have change happen, so it, like, and it, like it does hurt, it does like affect mm-hmm. things, and like, so if you want to put like a little India, a little China, like, hey, this used to be like where this used to be, and like mm-hmm. it does have a story, and it's not to mm-hmm. say that the world can't change, adapt, and do new things. Mm-hmm. But people also have to understand that, like, this did have a history already. Mm-hmm. And you people are allowed to feel against that. And to, like, not look at both sides and to damn one over the other would be very unjust and unfair. Because, like, and it's, it, and people have to understand each situation is its own, so. Okay. Well, some people say it's, like, culture change, the slow drip. Uh, a lot of people would say it's, it's, it's worse than that. It's an invasion. Okay, so... It's almost like a conscious decision. We know what we're doing. You can interview people and they will say, Europe will be ours. You know, I think this guy was specifically Turkish and he said, we'll outbreed you. It's just a YouTube video, uh, a a civilian, let's say, no one of prominence. Mm -hmm. But he said, we'll outbreed you in Europe. We have more babies and we come, there's more of us come every day. And I mean, he he considers it an an invasion, you know. So if anyone who said an invasion in England would be called a... A yeah. White supremacist or um, racist, racist uh, intolerant. But I mean, this guy from his own lips. I think when you describe it that way, you know, if I said I was going to a African country with all my buddies and I was going to encourage white immigration until we outbred that that particular island or something, I think that would be classed as 
an invasion. Yeah. And the question I, I was going to ask is, how many churches do you think have been burned in Europe? Like, I say burned, it's always just fire, you know, reported as fire. But I mean, we're talking about hundreds at this point of old, old churches all the time. I mean, Notre Dame yeah. went, yeah. Notre Dame just was was gone and it could have been an accident, sure. But how easy is it to start a fire and how much do Muslims hate Christianity? There's there's two questions I have for you. I mean, it's it's almost certain that some of them are arson, right? I mean, it's it's reasonable to accept that. So how many? And I think, I think we're seeing increased now burning of churches. You should Google that. See how many churches have burned in Europe in the last yeah. like five years. If you made it through an entire episode of Natasplat, well done you. You can find more of us all over the internet and at natasplat.com.